Hi, I'm Josh Levine. My podcast, The Queen, tells the story of Linda Taylor. She was a con artist, a kidnapper, and maybe even a murderer. She was also given the title The Welfare Queen, and her story was used by Ronald Reagan to justify slashing aid to the poor. Now, it's time to hear her real story. Over the course of four episodes, you'll find out what was done to Linda Taylor, what she did to others, and what was done in her name. The, the great lesson of this, uh, for me, is that people will come to their own conclusions based on what their prejudices are. Subscribe to The Queen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. You can say what you want about Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, but at least he's got a sense of humor. He's pretty legendary and he, he keeps he has like lots and lots of framed political cartoons in his office. And, and he, he he really savors the best ones. Ryland Barton covers McConnell for Kentucky Public Radio. He says as McConnell gears up for a 2020 reelection campaign, he's got jokes. There is a, a political cartoon just from yesterday from the Herald Leader, Lexington's newspaper, Joel Pett, this great cartoonist. He had this cartoon of Mitch McConnell digging graves. In this cartoon, McConnell's surrounded by headstones. There's one for the middle class, another for coal miners, and another for campaign finance reform. And McConnell, he's digging more graves. And the graves that he was digging are his, you know, uh, possible Democratic opponents for this 2020 race coming up. And Mitch McConnell actually tweeted this out saying, of all the 600 political cartoons that have been drawn about me over the years, this one might be my favorite. So his plan is to just bury any opposition. <laughs> I don't know, literally, but figuratively, certainly in that cartoon. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the plan and something he's done really well over the years. Since he became the Senate Majority Leader back in 2015, Mitch McConnell has become this boogeyman for the Democrats, preventing their agenda from going anywhere. Nancy Pelosi even held a press conference where she called McConnell the Grim Reaper since he's killed so much of her legislation. But Ryland says the secret to McConnell's success is that he hears this kind of criticism and instead of running from it, instead of being intimidated by it, he's like, sure, bring it on. And I think that's really emblematic kind of of um, part of why McConnell is so successful. I guess he takes punches well. Uh, he embraces a lot of the criticism. But is McConnell popular at home? No, he's not actually. (laughs) The Senate Majority Leader, the guy who has been causing so many headaches for the Democratic Party, back in Kentucky. Kentucky has the most unfavorable rating uh, opinion of McConnell as compared to any other state of their senators. And, you know, this is something that that's that's something that existed in the last time around when he was running for re-election in 2014. Democrats think he's vulnerable. Now they're running a campaign against him. One candidate's already in the race. Others seem like they're about to jump in. And McConnell mostly seems amused. And, of course, since he's become the Senate Majority Leader, you know, there's this huge argument to be made on his part that's like, all right, what are you going to do? You know, unseat one of the most powerful people in the United States government and replace me with a, you know, freshman Democratic senator who may or may not be in the minority party at the very back bench. Mitch McConnell, come at me, brah. (laughs) Exactly. Today on the show, 
How long will Mitch McConnell be able to laugh off the Democrats who want to take his seat? I'm Mary Harris. You are listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The candidate the Democrats are betting on right now in this race against Mitch McConnell, her name is Amy McGrath. And if her name sounds familiar, that's because she ran a campaign to represent Kentucky in the House of Representatives just last year. She got a lot of attention for it. She also lost. But she has this compelling story. She was a female fighter pilot, one of the first to fly in combat. And when she launched her Senate campaign this week, she took aim squarely at Mitch McConnell. I was 13 years old, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. It's this very compelling story where, uh, you know, when Amy McGrath was a kid, uh, she was growing up in northern Kentucky near Covington, which is kind of like a a, a suburb of Cincinnati almost, like across the river. And she wanted to grow up and be a fighter pilot. Uh, And uh, there is a a rule at the time that uh, uh, banned women from uh, being in combat. And so she she wrote to Mitch McConnell, who's, you know, been our senator here for a long time uh, and and, you know, asking for his support to overturn this rule. He never wrote back. I'm Amy McGrath, and I've often wondered how many other people did Mitch McConnell never take the time to write back or even think about. And so that's that's how she's kind of you know, setting the stage for her candidacy. So, yeah, she she was really f- coming at this from this personal, uh, you know, this personal story. And then she goes on to say that, you know, he's part of the problem in Washington uh, uh, that, you know, everybody in, in Kentucky opposes. I mean, you, you mentioned this a little bit. Amy McGrath has been here before. She ran for the House of Representatives last time around and she lost. Did you cover her then? Yeah, uh, so she was running in the uh, the sixth district in Kentucky, which is around Lexington. That's Kentucky's second biggest city, but it's it's Lexington and then you know a bunch of rural areas around it as well. It's a a district that Democrats felt like they could flip. It's this really kind of true swing district. It's gone back and forth between Republicans and Democrats over the last twenty thirty years, and it was this knockdown drag out fight, a very expensive race, a lot of money spent on it. She raised a whole lot of money for it. And in the end, yeah, it ended up being pretty close. So it was just all eyes were on that race. And she ended up losing just by three points. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, she was recruited reportedly to run for the Senate seat by Chuck Schumer. But of course, she'd lost the House of Representatives race. And it it sort of sets up this idea that she seems to feel right to people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But has she shown the sort of momentum votes wise to prove that she can do this. I think she did overperform what many other Democrats would do in that congressional district race. She did pretty well, lost a tight race. But what she's shown is that, uh, and I think that why she was she's so appealing is that one, she has this very compelling record and life story. 
and she's also shown that she can raise a whole lot of money. <laughs> and that's like, I, I think that that's one of the big things that they're looking for against McConnell. Well, I'm glad you brought up the money, because as soon as Amy McGrath announced her candidacy, really quickly, she raised a boatload of cash, two and a half million dollars in 24 hours, I think. Yeah, it's a massive amount of money in a short period of time. Um, she similarly thinks she raised over $8 million just for the congressional race last year. And she's somebody who gets, she's getting attention not only in the state, but across the country. She's somebody who can hold fundraisers around the country and get people to give her money. Yeah, where's this money coming from? Is it coming from Kentucky? Is it coming from people? Is it coming from companies? Uh, I mean, at least for the at least for the donations to her campaign, it's or individually, it's coming from individuals. And they were giving some some stat that in that first 24 hours, it was small donations that the it was like a median uh, or an average donation of thirty six dollars. But yeah, there's been a there's been a lot of people donating from out of state. I, I don't have the the breakdown in front of me right now, but it's a lot. Is that a pro or a con when you're running a race in Kentucky? Oh, it's certainly something that McConnell's going to run against her on and, and that Republicans will you know, say that she's raising all this money from Massachusetts and from California. Granted, the same thing goes for McConnell as well. McConnell gets a lot of attention from, from around the country and he gets a lot of help from uh, big time Republican donors around the country. So Amy McGrath has the right story, or at least she's got a fat enough wallet. But when you run as a Democrat in Kentucky... Ryland says, you have to be ready to do battle. I mean, Kentucky is this really interesting case study in which, like, it was controlled by Democrats for almost all of state history until, you know, say, starting in the early 1980s. Uh, and that's when Kentuckians started voting Republican in federal elections until our uh, current governor was finally elected in uh, 2015. And that's when kind of the cycle was complete in which Republicans are winning state elections uh, regularly, too. My own humble assessment of the situation, it, it comes down to a lot of big social issues. I think there's a lot of one-issue voters, and if their candidate doesn't stand with them uh, on abortion, then they're going to they're gonna vote for the candidate that stands with them on that particular issue. And I think there's a lot of conservative Democrats, uh, again, going back into Kentucky's history, used to vote Democrat, and they don't anymore because of issues like that. Something else happened right after she announced her candidacy, which is she started talking about the issues as you would do when you're running for Senate. And she really quickly got into some trouble. Right. So first she made this cl- this statement on Morning Joe uh, where she said that she took this tack of saying Kentuckians voted overwhelmingly in favor of Donald Trump in 2016. And uh, and because they wanted him to drain the swamp, and they want him to you know get drug prices down and, and bring jobs back. And he hasn't been able to do that because of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell's getting in the way of Donald Trump's agenda. So she doesn't come out and give this full throated endorsement of Donald Trump, but she is kind of, you know, dancing around that very thing. She's trying to straddle this, uh, you know, it's, they're really trying to do this thing that Democrats have had that have struggled and tried to do in Kentucky for the last while, which is like be a conservative Democrat and and try and not lose, you know, your your liberal support in, in some of the bigger cities. Um, so there was that statement. And I think that that raised a few eyebrows. But then the Kavanaugh thing was really the, the thing where a lot of her supporters uh, were were pretty angry about it. In an effort to sort of play to the left and the right. Amy McGrath got herself tangled up when she was asked if she would have voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. And because she ran for Congress last year, just as his nomination fight was going down, she was already on the record about a lot of this. 
So she had this record of statements against Kavanaugh already during her congressional race. And then in this interview, she says, oh, yeah, I would have I would have voted to confirm him. Um, but then within hours of those interviews getting published that afternoon last week or you know, <laughs> yeah, that afternoon last week, uh, she she came out and retracted her statement on Twitter uh, and like apologized to her uh, to her support supporters, saying that she, you know, upon further review of his record, that she would not have, in fact, uh, voted to confirm him. Mitch McConnell must be drooling over this back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> this is playing right into Mitch McConnell's hands. Like she was she was doing his job for him, basically. Uh, one of her possible opponents, actually, a guy who's thinking about running to uh, about running as a Democrat. So possible primary challenger. This guy named Matt Jones. You know, somebody asked him last week. All right. So what's going on with McGrath? What what do you think is happening? He said, you know, I think she's just been consulted to death. I think that, you know, there's all these people who they have this line, this idea of how a Democrat can win in Kentucky and what they have to do. And that it involves this kind of like hybrid conservative Democrat, you know, say that you're not partisan, say that you don't really care about party. But, you know, these are the issues you stand for and try to don't criticize the president too much. And that the whole messaging is confused right now. That, that was at least his line. I think that, that, that there's probably some, I, I'd lend some credence to that. T- tell me a little bit about who this Matt Jones guy is. So Matt Jones is a, a radio host. He hosts uh, Kentucky Sports Radio. It's this incredibly popular show about uh, University of Kentucky basketball. And so he's incredibly well known across the state. And also like UK basketball is king here. So that's kind of the, like some might say an unfortunate discussion to be having in politics. But thing is, is I would say it's arguably like there's a lot more Kentuckians who care about UK basketball than who care about what's really going on in Washington or what's going on in the state house. Uh, I, I hate to say that, but um, you know, that's, that's something that a reason why this guy could end up being a, a, a possible contender against McGrath. Again, Amy McGrath's pretty new on the scene. She's still getting her name out, uh, especially across the state, you know, after just running a a small congressional race to now pivoting to working on a statewide campaign. But again, she's got the, she's, she's going to have the, the funds to do it. And, you know, we'll see how well she's able to, you know, get that story out there. Listening to this whole conversation, there is this bigger problem I see, which is how likely is it that anyone would defeat a sitting majority leader? It just seems like that position comes with so much power and so much money that I don't even know the last time it happened. Yeah, I uh, I don't know either. That's part of the case that McConnell's going to make. Um, you know, he's the sitting Senate majority leader. He's got a lot of power. Uh, he he can put a lot of uh, issues that Kentuckians care about at the you know front of the line uh, in Congress, uh, and he's going to bring back a lot of pork. Uh, I think that's something he's been kind of un- unabashed about is that you know his connections in Washington help Kentucky, or that's at least the case he makes. You know, his wife is uh, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, and about all of it, you know their connections to. <laughs> the transportation industry and how they were able to get like projects approved in the Kentucky area. And the thing is, is like, yeah, he's proud of that. And he's going to kind of uh, he's going to run to the polls with it, where whereas some people might characterize it as corrupt. He's again, he's just kind of embracing it. All right, Rylan Barton, 
you're going to be following it the whole way through. Yep. Thanks for telling us about it. Thanks for listening to me. Ryland Barton is the Statehouse reporter for Kentucky Public Radio. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by my colleagues Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. Every day we cook up a brand new show for you, and while we do it, usually we're also being kind of funny on Twitter. So if you want to meet us on the internet, you can start by tracking me down at Mary's desk. Want a What Next button? Just DM me your address and I will shoot one your way. Really. And if you're done with this podcast, but you're still hungry for more, and who isn't really, I've got an idea. Head on over to The Gist. That is Mike Pesca's show. Today he is talking to Rachel Bittacoffer, who has come up with a totally new way to predict elections. And guess what? She already thinks she knows what's going to happen in 2020. All right, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.